Macrocast, the sound of the economic world, with Gilles Moeck, AXA Group Chief Economist. Hello, I'm Gilles Moeck, and like every Monday, I'm thrilled to share with you my analysis and my views on the economic week. The world is, of course, living at the pace of the COVID-19 pandemic, but it's already time to think about and prepare for the aftermath. Of the magnitude of the shock to advanced economies during the peak of containment measures, our baseline is that a month-long lockdown would reduce quarterly GDP by roughly 10%, and annual GDP by 2.5%. Given the recent Italian developments, it's probably safer to work with an assumption of five to six weeks lockdown. But the key issue beyond this is probably how fast to rebound we should expect once logistical impairment is over. We've had quite spectacular data coming from the US last week, and uh, there is no one better qualified than Mr. Jim Cramer to let us know about this. We just got the worst monthly employment report since 2009, 700,000 jobs lost. And that doesn't even cover the last two weeks where we had nearly 10 million jobless claims. The bad numbers are just beginning. Let's start with consumption. The impact of the lockdown on current household income will probably be minimal, given the size of the fiscal support. This is particularly true in the US, but we think it applies to Europe as well. In the US, for instance, the federal top-up of $600 per week to the state-level unemployment benefits will bring them very close to normal labor earnings. Since opportunities to spend are curtailed to some extent during the lockdown, this may create a temporary hump in savings. It is not obvious, though, that all this forced saving will be immediately spent when the containment measures are relaxed. The experience from China, where we have high-frequency data, is quite telling from this point of view. Consumption on some key items is still significantly below normal. Restaurant bookings are still a fraction of what they were before the epidemic started, and car sales are down 40%. Of course, we only have this single observation, but at the very least, we should probably assume that the behavioral changes do not disappear in the space of just a few days or a few weeks. Possibly more fundamentally, we cannot exclude that the episode may have an impact on the preference for saving for at least a few quarters, or even permanently. Even if governments have been quick to come to the rescue, many households may have drawn the conclusion from the last few weeks that being able to draw on a liquidity buffer in case of massive disruption is a good thing. They may want to stash away the forced savings generated during the lockdown. We also need to consider the negative impact of the crisis on asset prices. In the countries, such as the US, where consumption is often quite sensitive to those, in any case, some slowdown in spending will probably be seen. But the current demographic situation there may make this larger than usual. Indeed, we noted in the recent years in the US a rise in saving, which could not be explained by the usual factors, and we attempted to ascribe this to the growing numbers of baby boomers coming close to retirement age, topping up their pension funds. The destruction of value of the last few weeks may force an additional saving effort of this cohort. But our main concern is with investment. First, mechanically, the steep decline in capacity utilization brought about by the lockdown and after that some weakness in consumption, will have a negative impact on capital expenditure. Second, we think uncertainty will trigger a lot of wait-and-see attitude among global corporate decision-makers. 
obviously, that we'll probably want to see in the second half of the year how the pandemic plays out, and crucially, if we must go through more phases of lockdown. But they may also want to pause and rethink their industrial strategies, and in particular, whether the exposed fragility of the supply chains would not warrant their shortening. The impact on investment locations could well be ambiguous. Would Western corporations choose to bring the production sites closer to the decision centers or closer to the markets with the highest growth potential? This would mean not necessarily in Europe. While this rethink is taking place, investment decisions may be put on ice. We also suspect that the shock to the financial position of the corporate sector may leave lasting scars on investment. Investment was the great victim of the Great Recession of 2008-2009, falling by 20% year-on-year at trough, four times as much as the contraction in output. Bear in mind that in 2008-2009, there was no sudden collapse in activity in the US, but similar figures would be found for Europe. It took a full year for corporate output to reach its trough at minus 5% year-on-year. Why we are likely to get there in just one quarter this time. But more importantly, at the time, the root cause of the recession was an exogenous contraction in the supply of bank lending, as credit institutions were dealing with the deterioration of their own balance sheet triggered by the subprime crisis. As availability of external funding was drying out, corporations drew on their cash reserves. They burned 40% of their cash assets at the worst of the crisis as they were forcibly deleveraging. When the economy started improving towards the end of 2009, they immediately rebuilt their cash holdings in an attempt to make themselves less dependent on external funding, while still reducing their debt level, thus constraining the rebound in capex and hiring. In a way, what the world economy needs right now is exactly the opposite. In 2008, forced deleveraging triggered a contraction in spending on fixed costs, with labor costs in the front row. While what is necessary now is to make full use of the restored financial position of the banking sector to allow lending to protect current corporate spending, underpinned by government's incentives, such as loan guarantees. It's in the collective interest to see debt-to-output levels rise. This approach has a cost, though. Indeed, in principle, lending is used to raise productive capital. Of course, some firms will miscalculate, but on average, Higher debt will be matched by higher profits, with financial sustainability intact. Today, we're asking businesses to raise funding to merely maintain current expenditure. This is consistent with a permanent deterioration in the firm's financial position and thus their willingness to invest in the future. The precise design of government support to lending in the current configuration is key. For instance, in France, the state guarantees apply to bank loans with reimbursement deferred by 12 months. This means that corporations will start paying back the loans raised during the emergency only when the economy is hopefully normalized, which is definitely a strong positive. Still, this is deferment, not consolation, while the loss in activity at the peak of the crisis is very likely to be permanent. True, the interest rate is going to be very small. The French government prices its guarantee to only 25 basis points on top of the bank's own cost of resources, which is the basis for the interest rate on the emergency loans. But capital reimbursements will still weigh on cash flows once the economy has exited the pandemic. The French government is ready to guarantee up to 300 billion euros 
which would be enough to fully cover lost turnover for one month of the all non-financial private sector. And we have some indication from INSEE that only a third of turnover is currently lost. After the 12-month grace period, businesses will need to pay this debt back in five years at most, assuming the entirety of the 300 billion euros capacities used This means reimbursement would amount to almost 15% of annual corporate margins for five years. At least in France, the system is already live and actively supporting businesses. This may not be the case everywhere. In the US, JP Morgan Chase stated last week that they would be unable to originate loans under a similar scheme promoted by the Treasury and the Federal Reserve because they did not have enough details on it. In the UK, Another state-sponsored system is in need of urgent rethink as uncertainty of the collateral that would be requested from borrowers blocked it. This focus on corporate financial position calls for two types of action in the near future. One, it may be necessary, once our economies exit lockdown, to design specific fiscal measures to spur investment. Specifically, we think a temporary acceleration in amortization would help. Second, We think it would make sense to lengthen the duration of the emergency loans to make the weight on cash flow as small as possible in the short run, possibly with the help from the central banks. In sum, with consumer spending possibly impaired by a higher propensity to save and serious potential curbs on investment, we think the likeliest scenario is for the world economy's rebound post-lockdown to be quite soft. World GDP would thus follow a swoosh shape, like the Nike logo. If you want to read more, the Macrocast newsletter is available on AXA EM website. For now, before we leave, let's have a look at the hotspots of the next few days. Okay, two things we will focus on this week uh, in terms of statistical releases or, or news. One in the U.S. Uh, will continue to look hard at the labor markets, uh, and at the end of the week, we'll have new numbers for jobless claims. Um, we were at you know six million additional jobless claims last week. We need to see if this is slowing down. Also in Japan, uh, we will probably get details on a big fiscal stimulus, probably around three percent of GDP. Uh, Japan is uh, missing a little bit right now. We've had big announcements coming from Europe, from the US. This week, we should hear from Japan. Thank you very much for listening to this Macrocast. To take a deeper look, I invite you once again to read the Macrocast newsletter available on AXA Investment Manager's website. This podcast is available on all your podcast applications. Do not hesitate to share your comments. You'll hear about us next week and have a great week. Macrocast, the sound of the economic world. Available every Monday on your podcast app.